Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Start clean with Clorox, because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. Are we rolling? Yes. <laughs> I never do this with Peter looking at me. <laughs> okay. That is me in our New York studio with my editor, Peter Clowney. Peter's usually in Minnesota, so we don't see each other very often. And so it was weird having him stare at me while I was recording. But we brought him in because we have an exciting new season. The first story is actually going to be in the second half of today's show. It involves a guinea pig. That's all I'm going to say right now. We also have lots of exciting news to share with you. Stuff that I've been dying to tell you, in fact. Um, And the best part is there are tons of opportunities for listeners to get involved with the show, which is, of course, what The Longest Shortest Time has always been about. You guys. So here to help me tell you about all the things is the world's best editor, Peter Clowney. Hey, Peter. I'm happy to be here. I'm sure the listeners are thrilled. Yeah, they're like, why is that guy (laughs) always behind the scenes? (laughs) Yeah, okay. So, Peter, you know, parenting is in media all around us. What do you mean? I'm, well, like it's in it's in all of our favorite TV shows. Like the stuff oh. that we all love, like like Louie. Louie's right. about a dad. For sure. Um Atlanta, Girls, Breaking Bad, Transparent. All of these things have uh parenting stories just woven through them. Right. Some of them are completely built on them. They're all examples of terrific parenting. <laughs> as I think you'll Breaking Bad. Yeah, I give up. Uh, No more show. We're just going (laughs) to watch these TV shows, Breaking Bad. Um, But but seriously, like, sometimes you get stuff about parenthood that, like, seems more real on TV shows than you get in, in, like, media that's supposed to be about parenting. Like the parenting niche or whatever. Yeah. And so we've revised our newsletter— to sort of reflect that. So we've changed it so that when we send out a newsletter, the top of it has a little note from me. And it's usually got like some little anecdote about what's going on in my parenting life. And then um, something that I think really nailed it from a scene from a movie or a TV that that might surprise people. So like, for example, one of the things that I shared recently was my utter love of the birth scene from Glee. What was that? Um, So the character Quinn is giving birth and she's like yelling while she's giving birth, you suck, you suck, you suck, you suck, you suck, you suck. And all the while in the background you're hearing um, Bohemian Rhapsody being sung by the great Jonathan Groff. 
Why do you love that so much? What's your... Because it's just like the raw emotion of it. I mean, I feel like you never see... When a person is giving birth on TV, you never see them in conflict with their own body, <laughs> like in the way that Quinn is right there. Like I gave birth right around that time when that right. when that show was on, and it just captured for me like, yes, you get me. So you're always watching out for these kinds of things. I am. I watch a lot of TV. <laughs> and so I'm starting to point people to these scenes that I really love that I think really nail it in our newsletter. and And it also sometimes leads me to, you know— Tell the audience a little bit about my life, which, right. which um, I don't do a lot. On yeah, the you're kind of careful about telling your own personal story on the show, and I think that's really smart. But in the newsletter, you can tear loose <laughs> and and be all Hillary and say whatever you want. <laughs> so people sign up for the newsletter at our website, longestshortesttime.com. There's a little spot right at the top of the website where you can sign up. So speaking of the website, yes. you like my transition here. Mm-hmm. We have a brand new one. That's true. And I haven't really seen it yet. So can I show you? Please do. All right, here. We're going to pull it up right here. Okay. Okay. We've got this big screen in front of us. Oh, look at that. So check it out, Peter. Yeah, man. This website is super easy to navigate. It's really easy to find stories. It's easy to find resources, um, to find the stuff we're selling that helps support our show, like our onesies and our shot glasses and our totes that are really awesome for the beach. And one of my favorite things about this new website right. is that our logo, like when you when you land on the page, the logo animates. Right. So we have uh, like in its resting natural state, <laughs> there's a big blue dot and a little yellow dot. Right. Symbolizing the parent-child, the parent-child relationship. relationship. But what? Then it changes to a couple of boobs, <laughs> which is something we've actually done before. We, when we did the boobs uh, I remember. series, we, we changed the dots to boobs. Uh, there's also sperm and egg. Right. There is uh, a parent and child, like, looking all lovey at each other with a little heart. And then it <laughs> quickly moves into a moon on the left and a crying baby, because babies only cry at night. That's right. <laughs> And then it, and then that switches to both crying, a parent and a child crying. Right. And then a son comes up, and the baby, damn it, baby is sleeping during the day. This last one, though, that's my favorite. The last one that's is so crazy. you say what it is. Uh, the blue dot has become like a blue stinking diaper, stinking steaming diaper. Stinking. Okay. And the uh, the yellow dot is like it's like what a peanut's like curse bubble. Like yeah. a, a scribble in a mm-hmm. in a word bubble, and yeah. um, it tells a story. This, tell, this little tells animation a tells a story. Yeah, from I'm, boobs to stinking diapers. I mean, for me, this whole thing—it's—I mean, the website is super functional and and gorgeous to look at. But I like that this animated logo is there too because it's it's a it's about the playfulness of the show. And you know, a really important part of this site is the participate tab. Right. Tell me about that. Right. So, like from the beginning. This show has been about listeners participating in the projects. It started with me telling a part of my story, but right from the beginning, I was asking people to send me their stories. And right from the beginning, I was putting strangers' stories on the show. Um, So we've made it really easy for people to send us their stories. So you go to this Participate tab, and there's three things you can do. You can pitch your story. And there's a really beautiful form that you can fill out to send us your story. And we read all of them. Um, We respond to the ones that we're interested in. But if you send us something, know that we read it. Um, So you can send us anything. But you can also respond to our question of the week if you'd rather have a prompt. And then the third way that you can participate 
Which leads me to another, maybe the biggest announcement of the day. Dun, dun, dun. Is that there's going to be a Longest Shortest Time book. I am so excited about this. Yeah, me too. And it, so the book is called Weird Parenting Wins, A Guide to Manipulating Children. <laughs> and so under the Participate tab, you'll see Weird Parenting Wins is something you can select. It's, it's actually right at the top of the website as well. Very easy to find this. Um, so a weird parenting win, um, Peter, is yeah. a real strategy that a parent has used to manipulate their child into doing what they need them or want them to do, but that you would never find in like an experty parenting book. That's right. It's like a playful way of solving problems, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, people do crazy stuff with their kids, and it's and 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 get great results out of it. Yeah. You know, I, I sort of came up with this idea because, you know, when I first became a parent, I I don't know, I'm a reader. I right. went and I read about like how do I get my kid to stop crying? How do I breastfeed better? And I and like I was doing all this reading and trying the things that were recommended in the books, and then the things wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. And I would be like then there must be something wrong with me. Right. You blame, that's so weird, right? Like you get what seems to be expert advice and then it doesn't work and then you blame yourself mm-hmm. as opposed to doubting the advice. And then I think that some of these books, like not on purpose, but I right. think that they're in part responsible for what we call the like quote unquote mommy wars, right? Mm-hmm. Where people take sides on different issues. This is how you get your kid to sleep. No, this is how you get your kid to sleep. And but really, what I've found is that, like, the most helpful stuff is that I've learned through, like, trial and error or from somebody telling me some weird thing they tried and then I try it or I try a variation on it and then it works. Mm-hmm. So so we have, like, a lot of strategies on, like, baby stuff, you know, getting your kid to sleep, to stop screaming, to eat food. But we also are going to be including strategies for, like, when your kid gets older, like, helping them with fears about real life, um, how to entertain themselves uh, and then and then we're going to be talking about ways that you've manipulated your own parents because you know that one day your kid is going to turn right around and do it to you. <laughs> I just love the embracing that you're doing of um, manipulating children and manipulating others. Yeah. Good for you, Hillary. <laughs> I mean, it, it's so intense, right? No, you're, I know. You're it's like, important. I need you to do this. How can I trick you into, you know, brushing your teeth right now? <laughs> Yeah, I'm using manipulative and I love it. Don't apologize. Don't the explain. Most positive way. Yes, you are. That's right. Okay. Um, so we've been collecting these um, for years, actually, um, and, and they're really great. And so I've brought some of my favorites to share with you. Sure. Um, I know it's summertime. People are going to go on road trips. So here, here's a couple for for people going on the road. Um, there's a mom who barked like a dog for an entire car. Come on. Ride. Because babies love distraction, and it's funny. But isn't that too much work? Not Parenting is nothing desperate. but work. Yeah, that's right. Not if you're desperate okay. and your kid is screaming. All right. That's good. Okay. So here's another one that I love. Um, there's a mom who uh, used the Bluetooth lady in her car, like the automated voice in oh, her yeah. car, um, to read her entire phone book um, until her six-month-old daughter would fall asleep. So it would just, like, rattle off the names. And then the side effect of that, that, so she had a six-month-old but also a two-year-old, and the side effect was that the two-year-old son um, could now recite all of her contacts. What? But tends to pronounce them wrong. Because Bluetooth lady does. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So, so, those are, so those are some road trip tips. Um, 
here's one from from a woman who said that um, her husband was told to to like dance around and pat the baby's bottom to get okay. the baby to stop crying, but he misunderstood the direction, and so he danced around while hitting his own bottom. <laughs> And the win is that it actually got the daughter to stop crying. <laughs> well, of course it did. Because <laughs> it's ridiculous. Oh, my and God. And love ridiculous. And, you know, in fam- if this is a good family, which it sounds like it is, he will keep doing that far past its actual utility. Yeah. Right? Like, that's, that needs to keep going. So, so Peter, yes. uh, you have been a parent for <laughs> over a decade. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my son just turned 13. Yeah. What's your best weird parenting win? I, I do have a win, which is, so my daughter, Tadelich, is going to be 11 this summer. And she is kind of shy when there's a lot of people around that she doesn't know. I don't know why we started playing this game. It's just like an impulse. Like, I want to grab you and, like, take you out of this moment where you're obviously feeling frozen and scared. But what I learned is, because she's been taking martial arts for a few years, um, that if I, if I just say gut punch and try to tap her in the tummy that uh, she will try to defend it, and then she'll try to gut punch me, and we will be trying to get to each other's tummy for a gut punch um, and trying to deflect it. And suddenly we're, like, alone in the middle of this room that is full of other people, and she's having fun, and she's loosened up, and then she's able to do whatever. So gut punch is a really—I <laughs> hit my daughter, Hillary. Uh, no, but, like— <laughs> But she knows how to defend herself. Yeah, she's, she's, yeah, she could totally, like, take me down to the knees so fast. And this is our. This is my fastest route to to getting her loosened up and okay in that in that space. I think. I hope. Is it weird? <laughs> well, that's what we're looking for. Weird parenting. <laughs> okay. Wins. Sure. Yeah. 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 So if you want to send us your weird parenting win, it's super easy. Go to longestshortesttime dot com and click the big button that says weird parenting wins. So Peter, thanks for helping me tell everyone all the stuff. It's really fun. Thank you for having me. Well, uh, when we come back. We're going to have a story for everybody, and you actually brought it to me. That's right. And it's actually like a big, blown-out, weird parenting win. That's true. Uh, I can tell you a little bit about it. Do you want clues about the story? Tell me three clues. Uh, okay, three clues about the story. Features John Moe, your friend and mine, and host of the podcast Hilarious World of Depression, which is really good. You should listen to that. Um, but it has John in it, has his family, has a guinea pig for some of the story. <laughs> Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, exactly. And a completely unexpected moral quandary that he's found himself in fits for a long time on. Stay with us. <laughs> Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. We are back, and we are here with John Moe. I understand you want to tell me a story about 
your guinea pig. Oh, we're still shaken by it. <laughs> it's the single source of fear and hope in our lives, this story. Seriously? <laughs> well, I may be hyperbolizing a bit. John Moe is an old friend of mine and Peter's. And these days, he's also the host of the podcast, The Hilarious World of Depression, where he interviews comedians about, you know, being depressed. The show is funny and really honest and goes to some surprisingly raw places. John and his wife, Jill, have three kids. There's Charlie, who's 16, Kate, who's 14, and Margaret, the baby, who's nine now. And a few years back, when our story begins, their family became a guinea pig kind of family. We kind of pet-wise with the kids, we moved up the evolutionary food chain from, from fish to hamsters. And then we found that hamsters were rather deathy and uh, could Wait, die. what do you mean? <laughs> they just died instantly for dumb reasons. Like they, and sometimes for no reason at all. They were just... They were just deathy. Um, and so we figured guinea pigs would be a little bit more robust. They're, they're just, I mean, they're kind of like uh, just hairy little warm logs that whistle. Now, Charlie, their oldest, who was about 10 at the time, got a guinea pig named Rainbow. And shortly after that, they got one for their middle child, Kate. She named it Honey. And then... Uh, Margaret, the youngest child, got a, a white guinea pig named Marshmallow. She mm. named it Marshmallow. That's cute. And, yeah, it's great. And so the the three guinea pigs, we, we had the three guinea pigs for a while. And, and then Honey, the middle guinea pig, died. And not long after that, um, Rainbow died. How did you dispose of the bodies? Uh, Kate chose that we should bury Honey. Kate is your the child. Yes, right. yeah. yeah. The child dictates the terms of uh, final rest, <laughs> and then um, with Rainbow, we we wrapped her up uh, very carefully and uh, put her in the garbage can. And that's <laughs> that's what was chosen um, because I mean we our garden is already littered with tiny hamster skeletons. I believe <laughs> uh, just barely beneath the ground. Um, but then we replaced those two. We, we got, um, uh, honey was replaced by Louise and then eventually, uh, rainbow was replaced by the cheat and the cheat, uh, the cheat. Yes. Um, and it's important with the cheat that you always use, uh, the definite article, the, <laughs> at the beginning of it, the cheat is a character on, um, on this web cartoon series called Homestar Runner. Um, I should mention we all three guinea pigs, all of the guinea pigs that we've ever had are female um, because they're, we found them to be a little more friendly and the males often have problems with impacted rectums and we didn't want to deal with that. Yikes. Yeah, I know. It's the worst. So, um, so then our lineup was Marshmallow, the oldest guinea pig. And then two younger ones, Louise and the Cheat. Oh, Marshmallow was the youngest and is now the oldest. Right. And everything's going great. So they're they're living happily. These three guinea pigs are living together happily in a cage. But whenever we try <laughs> to... Hang on a second. Can we just pause for a second for the phrase, yeah. lived happily together in a cage? Well, you know, you're not going to let them free roam the house. And, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're not dogs. <laughs> 
Marshmallow and friends did occasionally get some fresh air, though. John went to the hardware store and bought this tiny plastic white picket fencing and set up a little ring for them in the backyard. And they, guinea pigs, given their physical limitations, are no good at jumping, so they're not going to jump the fence. And and uh, and so they go out there and graze. And um, and it's great. And then we just have to always have one person outside um, with them just in case, like, a neighborhood dog is loose and gets too inquisitive because, God forbid, you forget about it for one moment and that's the time that it happens. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, you're, you're trying to teach the kids to to be responsible with their pets and not accidentally kill their pets so that when they grow older, they don't accidentally kill their own children. I mean, that's Good really lesson. what it, it's all... It's all about the propagation of the species. <laughs> um, so, so about six weeks ago, it's the first truly warm day of the season in St. Paul, Minnesota. And that's a big deal in a city where it sometimes gets down to minus 20. So when a good warm springtime even comes around, it's it's really great. And so that was the night that we all uh, went out and had dinner outside in the backyard at the picnic table. So we're all out there having dinner. And my son, Charlie, the oldest, uh, wants to just make it a little bit more special. And he goes and um, gets Marshmallow out of the cage. Charlie felt like Marshmallow deserved some attention, you know, and and some reward with grass for the the good uh, stewardship of the younger guinea pigs that she has been providing. Marshmallow, of course, now being the grand dam of the guinea pig clan. So we have dinner outside and he brings Marshmallow out to graze in the grass and brings her a glue out and everything's fine and we're having a nice time. And dinner's over and uh, we go inside and and the two older kids, the two teenagers, both have lots of homework to do. The youngest is sort of heading towards, towards bedtime and... Um, I don't actually remember anything that we did that evening because it was just so routine. And we go to bed. And around 7 a.m., I wake up and I think, did we bring Marshmallow inside? Uh-oh. And I know that I didn't, I didn't bring Marshmallow inside. And I think, well, surely... Somebody else brought Marshmallow inside. And um, <laughs> and I am terrified to look, but I go down to look in the guinea pig cage. And just I just want to see Marshmallow there and just uh, be a little bit happy and proud that when I have forgotten something, somebody else in the family comes through. <laughs> And Marshmallow is not there. There are only two guinea pigs in the cage. So um, I head out to the backyard and Margaret, our our nine-year-old, says, why are you going in the backyard? I said, oh, I think I just left some socks out there. I don't, if I find her there, then it's going to be a funny story and everything's going to be fine. I go out there to the fenced off area and there's no guinea pig there. Oh, no. So Marshmallow is officially a missing guinea pig. And, and like, are I you know panicking? 
Well, I mean, I look around the yard. I, I kind of walk around the yard and I look under bushes and and there is none. There is none guinea pig. And I'm thinking either she ran away. She got out of this enclosure somehow and ran away. And a guinea pig will have no sense of where home is. A dog will eventually wander home a lot of the time. But, but a guinea pig, you know, has a, a brain the size of your fingernail and 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 won't but i also think if there's a missing guinea pig and we weren't watching this is when the bird came this is when uh the dog came we have foxes in our neighborhood we've seen coyotes in our neighborhood not often but sometimes so, i'm like picturing you know. your backyard and i'm picturing like all these predators like just circling yeah <laughs> It is. It's the the food chain is represented in our in our backyard. It's like a it's like a, a David Attenborough documentary. Um, but you so live I'm in the suburbs, the, right? Basically, we live in the city. We we live in in um, St. Paul. You know, in a residential part of the city, in a neighborhoody part of the city. But yeah, I mean. Forget what you've what you've heard on popular radio programs. Minnesota can be pretty intense and deadly. Uh. <laughs> At this point, it's about seven fifteen in the morning. No pig. John is not about to go back inside and tell his daughters that Marshmallow is missing. He doesn't want to freak them out. What he needs is a huddle with his wife. But Jill is out dropping Charlie off at school and isn't answering her phone. All John can think of to do is just stand out in the driveway in front of the house and, and wait for her to get back. Finally, her car pulls up. And I meet her out there and I say, we have a situation. <laughs> and, you know, and it's a failure on our part. <laughs> like, <laughs> like the Charlie should have brought in the guinea pig that he brought out, right? That's basic. But... As parents, we should have supervised and made sure that that happened. You know, it's mm-hmm. uh, it's a management issue. <laughs> and so, um, like, do we tell the kids we all screwed up and one of our pets died as a result? Or do we, you know, that's sort of what we have to do. And so um, she goes and looks and can't find anything. We get Margaret off to school. We haven't told her anything. And um, Kate, our our middle child, her school doesn't start till 930. So while she's getting ready and kind of poking around and, and getting her her day together, uh, Jill's online trying to find all white guinea pigs because Marshmallow was all white and uh, thus named Marshmallow. Wait a minute. I know. Oh, I know. I see where this is going. <laughs> It's going somewhere horrible. It's going to uh, uh, a harebrained scheme straight out of second-rate farce theater. And so we're thinking if we could... I mean, you could never match the patterns on the other guinea pigs because they're all mottled and multicolored. But Marshmallow is just white, you know? Like, even if we find a mostly white guinea pig, maybe, maybe some peroxide or liquid paper would take us the rest of the way. This is our this is our panicked thinking. We've we had faked it once before with a goldfish when Charlie was like 2 or 3 and got away with it, but this is a much more sophisticated heist that we're talking about. Right. It's more of 
It's a more elaborate con. And are you like, yeah, that's a good idea? I'm, I'm like, I know it's a bad idea, but I'm not stopping her from doing it because uh, I'm sort of open to all options at this point. So Wait a finally, second. Can, can I just stop you for a second? Were, were you like yeah. um, going through your head what it would be like to tell them basically yes. that like you'd screwed up and yes. the guinea pig was dead? Playing. How is that playing out in your head? Well, it was playing out as a horrible moment. As Charlie is our our oldest, and he has, um, you know, he's a teenager and. He has had issues with um, anxiety and just sort of self-image issues. Um, and I didn't, I didn't want him carrying the, the guilt of involuntary manslaughter or <laughs> guinea pig slaughter uh, on his shoulders. Because really, also, these are just like they're they're pets and we love them but they're also kind of jokes like it's <laughs> it's and and meals for much of the world a lot of people eat guinea pigs i mean if this was a dog that would be one thing if one of the dogs died you know you have to deal with that that's that's on the table and that's the the downside and and i guess you could say the price you pay for love you know to to love something uh, is to then grieve when that thing is gone. Uh, and so, but guinea pigs, it's, <laughs> you know, there's no clear, there's, there, there isn't an old Yeller movie about guinea pigs. <laughs> True. Um, and uh, by the time I take Kate to school, uh, Jill's kind of given up on the, on the duplicate guinea pig scam. Um why did she give up? Was she like, "Oh yeah, this is because a bad it was idea, so though. it was <laughs> it was so such a harebrained scheme," um, and because the people wouldn't email her back who had the closest doppelganger okay. for our particular pig, and we're saying, "Okay, what are our options?" The horrible truth—that's one idea we could go with, um, or how about this? How about? Right after you left, we noticed that Marshmallow looked really sick. We took her to the vet, and uh, and now she died. She died at the vet or something. <laughs> so that was sort of an option, but it, it is a little dramatic to have a guinea pig die on an operating table or an exam table. <laughs> but um, so we're, we're thinking about this, and I know here's what it came down to. I know the right thing to do, right? I know Which is that, what? <clears throat> to tell the kids the truth. The right thing to do is to tell the kids the truth. Absolutely. And then I'm thinking, I don't know if I really want to do the right thing to do. Because um, we've, we've had um, things happen in our family. We've lost people. Um, and... It's been really hard. And, um, you know, my, my brother died um, when, when Charlie, our oldest, was in kindergarten. And it's, I think it had a really long-lasting effect on him. And I don't, I mean, that's a person. You've got to deal with that in a certain way. But I don't want to put 
guilt and grief on these kids on top of all that. And so I'm thinking of this vet story that we're that we were contemplating that we hatched. And I'm thinking, what's the harm? Like, what's really the harm in telling them this lie? For me, like I would carry the guilt of that lie, but I start to parse out that I would rather I carry the guilt of the lie than put the guilt of neglect and death responsibility on my children. So I'm doing this this calculus in my head and, you know, it's a little bit later in the day. It's like 10, 30, 11 o'clock. I'm at work um, trying to concentrate and um, and I I text Jill and I say, I think I'm ready to go for the lie. I think I'm ready to go for the vet story. And I hate myself for it. Um, but I think it's the route that I want to travel. Um, and she says, yeah, I feel the same way. And so I say, well, it's what we're going to do is, is wrong. Um, yet it feels so right. In a minute, John and Jill learn Marshmallow's fate and grapple with the repercussions. Say advertisement. Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. We are back with John Moe, whose family is down one guinea pig, though his three kids don't know it yet. And John and his wife, Jill, are just about ready to tell the biggest lie they have ever told their children. But at this point, John's at work and the kids are at school. Jill is supposed to finish work at noon that day anyway, so they decide they'll finalize their strategy after she's home. So 12.10 rolls around and I get a call from Jill and she says, guess what? I said, what? Underneath the blue folding chair in the backyard, I found Marshmallow and she's fine. She spent the night under a folding chair against the side of the house. And so we're off the hook. She had hurdled, after all, with nobody around and probably fearing things, hurdled the little tiny fence and tried to get back to the house. And the closest she could come was to (laughs) shove herself between a folding chair leaning against the house and the house itself. Wow. With that little fingernail-sized brain, she did that. She did that. She got us completely off the hook. And we put her back in her cage and she drank a bunch of water and was fine. And and all it cost us was 
a deep dive into what desperate lengths we were willing to go. Yeah. So now in retrospect, are you like, oh my God, I am totally willing to lie to my kids. Yes, I am willing to lie to my kids. Would I have backed down from that lie at the last moment? I might have, but I don't know. I think I was on my way to a pretty solid lie. Did you ever tell them the truth about what happened that day? Oh, yeah. As soon as they got home from school, we said, guess what happened? <laughs> we, all left, we all left Marshmallow outside, and she's fine. I think I even led with, guess what happened? Marshmallow is fine, and here's, <laughs> here's the story. What did they think of it? They thought it was hilarious. And they did ask, well, what, what were you going to do? And I said, I, did, I don't know exactly what we we're going to do. I do know we were desperately looking for lookalike guinea pigs on Craigslist this morning. And they all <laughs> thought that that was pretty funny. You know, um, we're thinking a lot at the show about uh, weird parenting wins. It's, it's a thing uh-huh. we're, we're collecting um, for a book. And so, like, a lot of these wins that we see are, are lies, and yeah. um, and I often wonder, like, what is the line between when a lie is a win and when a lie is a sign of weakness and a failure? It's it's hard to say. I mean, it's if you if you tell a lie, but the lie is more beneficial than the truth, then all you're left with is that sort of basic morality of lie equals bad and. Sometimes you can you can step over that hurdle. I'll tell you one parenting win that I've always been very proud of is when uh, Charlie was young and we kept this going for years. When uh, we would hear the ice cream truck, the you know mm-hmm. driving around the neighborhood playing its little song, we told our kids that's the dancing truck. I always said it was the that, music truck. Yeah, <laughs> when you hear that. You get to dance, and it's an invitation to dance. And so we would dance, and, you know, the truck would go right by, and we would just keep dancing, and they wouldn't flag it down and wouldn't nag us for ice cream or anything. It's just a different version of the truth because you turned it into a dancing truck. (laughs) It is a dancing (laughs) truck at that point. And, you know, after a while, they figured it out, and fortunately, they thought it was pretty funny that we had— scam them that way. So we're we're setting in motion a parenting philosophy of lies that I'm sure they will spread to their own kids and destroy the world. You know, I, I want to talk about the fear of death a little more. Um, sure. My daughter has an extreme fear of death and talks about it constantly. Um, and I I often think about, we have an 11-year-old cat, and mm. I, I often think I like actually look at him all the time when he's, he, you know, cats sleep a lot. And I look over at him and I say his name like several times a day to wake him up just to make sure he's <laughs> dead. Because <laughs> um, I just it's mostly because I'm like, oh, my God, what will we tell Sasha? I, I mean, we'll yeah. tell her the truth if he just dies. But um, just how will she react? And it'll be a disaster. Um yeah. And it sounds like it sounds like you your oldest child Charlie um struggles with anxiety to maybe related to death and and I don't know like what are your thoughts on talking to kids about death 
Um, it's, I mean, I remember the moment that each of the three of them figured out that death is inevitable and, you know, realized their own mortality. And it was awful. <laughs> each of those realizations was awful. For Kate, it was, it took the form of being devastated that Charlie would die, that one day Charlie would die. She could accept that she would, but that her big brother would was just unimaginably awful. And and I think they all dealt with it in about the same way. They went to their rooms and they were alone for a while and then they came out and they were okay. And, you know, they were dealing with it, but they were ready to move forward and, you know, have dinner or whatever it was. Um it was still really hard on them. Um, but they've also been able to metabolize grief um, and feel it and feel it deeply and then move forward. Um, you know, and, and I've dealt with, with grief enough to know that it's not a matter of getting over something. It's a matter of moving through something. When you think about the fact that you almost lied to them. Do you do you think that lying to them in this circumstance could have been a missed opportunity? Like to talk about a whole bunch of different big things. Mm. No, I don't I think there are lots of opportunities to talk about big things. And and we're a very conversational family we talk about all kinds of things all the time um you know and and uh we had in in minnesota there was last summer there was a a police shooting uh police shot a man named philando castile at a traffic stop and um philando castile worked in the cafeteria at a school near our house um, a school where, you know, we know people who whose kids go to school there. John is also really public about struggling with his own depression. He talks about that with his kids, too. Just being a family and living in the world can bring up all sorts of hard stuff that you can't avoid or fib about, things that matter. And sometimes the parenting win is knowing when speaking the truth is important and when the truth is just about a guinea pig. We almost saw it as a little, uh, I, I should say I, I almost saw it as a little gift to ourselves to a little get out of jail free card that, that we would tell a lie, that nobody would get hurt, that it wouldn't screw up anybody's sense of reality uh, if we told them this lie. And, and then we could all just skate along. Um, yeah. So when you and Jill talk about it now, what are the conversations like? Joyous conversations. Just so, so happy that it, that it worked out. Because that's never how that story turns out, you know? So finding Marshmallow and having her be okay after all that is such a big deal for Jill and I. Like, we talk about that often, like... You know, just out of the blue, we'll just say, like, I'm so glad Marshmallow's okay. And this happened weeks ago. And the kids will be like, are, are you still talking about it? Why do you guys always talk about that? And Why I say, do well, you? it was just, it was very emotional. <laughs> it was, 
it was it was a relief that Marshmallow, who is a very nice guinea pig, if a little bit high strung, um, it, it's relief and happiness that she's okay. Um, but it's also as Marshmallow was rescued from beneath that chair, um, our moral ambivalence was <laughs> was rescued as well, and we could proceed in certainty until the next moment of parental existential crisis arose, which I'm sure is just around the corner. John Moe's podcast is called The Hilarious World of Depression. We will link to that on our brand new website, longestshortesttime.com. And while you're there, we want to hear from you. What is the biggest lie that you have ever told your kids or your littlest lie? And did it feel like a win? Let us know in the comments for this episode. That's episode 128. This podcast is produced by me, Hillary Frank, with Kristen Clark and Abigail Keel. We are edited by Peter Clowney. Our engineers are Pete Karam and Jared O'Connell. Cameron Wiley was our engineer in Minnesota. Our technical director is the Reverend John Delore. Our music is performed by hotmoms.gov and directed by Allison Layton Brown. We get editorial support from Amory Baldonado, Antonia Ekatunde, and Rekha Murthy. Special thanks this episode to Mark Sanchez. Next week, on The Longest Shortest Time, we have got a special guest host. It's Casey Wilson, you guys. She is an actress. She's been on the show before. You all loved her. Casey will be talking to her friend, the comedy writer and extremely funny lady, Jessie Klein, all about her glamorous life as a new mom in L.A. I got a yeast infection in my boob. <laughs> Hi. Oh, God. I am on Tinder. Oh, God in heaven. <laughs> Swipe right. <laughs> Do not miss this episode. Subscribe to The Longest Shortest Time in Stitcher or Apple Podcasts or wherever you like. And as always, here at The Longest Shortest Time, we are looking for your stories. We want to hear anything about your kids or your parents, especially your weird parenting wins. Send them in and you could be in the first ever Longest Shortest Time book. Go to LongestShortestTime.com, hit the Participate tab and submit your story. Stitching!